Polyamona Podcast is a collection of stories, opinions, and perspectives about polyamory and the polyamorous lifestyle. I'm Britt Vosicek. I'm the host of Polywana Podcast. I'm not a professional counselor, nor am I a professional polyamorous person. The voices you hear, including the host, offer their subjective interpretations and don't intend to convince you or shame you. We're just letting you into our vulnerable and complicated little worlds, brought to you by the Mockingbird Network. Hey guys, this is Britt with Polywana Podcast from the Mockingbird Network, sponsored by the Houston Polyamorous Organization and Jay Walker Coaching. All those things you can find on the internet. And I wrote some new stuff, so you guys should go check out the new stuff I wrote. Um, and check out the other Polywana podcasts on my website, because there's a lot of new content that I should probably share. Um, and I missed you guys so much. I haven't been in the studio in a long time, so I hope you guys are okay. Mockingbird Network made a big move, and so... We were kind of MIA for a while, and now we're in this nice big new studio, and I'm here with my guest and my super good friend, Sky. Hi, guys. Listen to her. She's so great. <laughs> I'm just super excited to have... We don't get a lot of one-on-one time, you and I. I know. So we kind of like convinced... We kind of like tricked ourselves into hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my arm had to be thoroughly twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. We see each other all the time, but it's always like out in like groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing? What did you do this weekend, this week, this month, this year? Yeah. Well, I'll start with this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so this past weekend, I went to Austin to Tiny Tea Ranch for the authentic All Texas Retreat. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a group uh, retreat that covers the Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas communities of authentic relators Mm -hmm. and it was just a really fulfilling time I love authentic relating and anything that has to do with it and that's how we met yeah that's how we met yeah at authentic um relating games and that's like yeah that's like an activity so we're not just talking about like we met by authentically relating with each other there's like a place you go and you like do the games Mm -hmm. so it's like a thing you can go you can look it up on Facebook if you get lost thing authentic Houston I'm a leader in the community and, but it's nice to sometimes just put down that leadership role and go be a participant, which is mm-hmm. what I did this weekend. And it was just really fantastic and juicy connection with lots of new people and deepening connections with people I already know. And it was just fantastic. Yeah. I saw people come back on, um, Sunday night mm-hmm. after games, they came to onion Creek yeah. and we were like hanging out and they were just so sourced. Like they yeah. were glowing. I was like, Oh, I wish I could have gone. He looked so happy. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I think we we're all blissed out and beaming and mm-hmm. super sourced. Like you said, that's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. I can, like feel it on people. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part? So probably the most enriching part for me was this workshop that we did that Jessica, Dr. Jessica Tataro of the Dallas community and Eric Finnegan of the Boulder Integral Center community led called Circling Attraction. Mm. Um, Circling is this whole big thing that would take quite a while to describe, uh, but it's basically a group conversation that is slightly facilitated and it's kind of about revealing impact in real time mm-hmm. and just this constant flow of following the aliveness in the conversation. And so with the theme being attraction, which is this really charged topic, 
they had us check in at the very beginning and just say our name, why we were there, and what attraction is to us, mm. which was such a fantastic sentence stem because just that, like the spectrum of... Wow, even just like thinking about it right now, I don't think I've checked in on what that means for myself, like since we did attraction themed games. Uh huh. And even then, it was like so fuzzy to me because I hadn't, it's hard to tune into. Yeah. And I led that games and I'm wishing that I had done that sentence stem at the beginning because, like, wow, the, the variety of responses that we got just from that was like fascinating. And yeah. I wanted to follow up with everyone, like, I want to know more about that. Mm-hmm. And would you um, say you were attracted? I was to the attracted topic? to the theme of attraction. It's amazing, and um, yeah. And so, for myself, I said, you know, attraction is the reason we're alive. It's like we're. It doesn't have to be sexual attraction, but just like being attracted and passionate about something or someone. It's like that's where I feel my aliveness and my humanity so much, and. Um, but seeing a lot of the relationships that especially men seem to have with attraction and expressing it was really interesting to me. And one of the themes that came up during it that I'm sort of like soaking in right now and and seeing what I'm learning from it and what I want to distill from it is a lot of men expressed this story around the idea that women don't want attraction expressed to them because it's objectification. Okay. So they create this story for themselves of like, oh, I'm attracted to this woman, but I don't think my advances would be appreciated or well accepted. And it would even maybe potentially be construed as objectification. So I'm just not going to do it. Mm. And when I heard that and I kind of noticed that it was a pattern I got kind of indignant (laughs) and like, I was like, that's kind of bullshit in my world. Mm -hmm. Um, and one person who said that did own after they said it. And I imagine that's a story I'm creating to protect myself. Ooh. Yeah. And that gave me chills. I know. (laughs) And like when he said it, I was like, yes, thank you. And that felt like, the real conceit of what a lot of people were saying is these stories that we create about holding ourselves back with kind of the, it's almost a fallacious argument to say, I'm holding myself back in consideration of someone else Mm -hmm. and putting the burden of not being able to express yourself on them Mm -hmm. and taking away, simultaneously taking away your agency and taking away their capacity to discern what they want mm-hmm. or to even know that, that it's a thing on the table. And so that's just really alive for me right now. Like that concept of these stories that we tell ourselves in order to protect ourselves under the guise of protecting another. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow, that yeah. resonates so much with me in my life lately, mm-hmm. like coming out of this sort of like, moving from caring for others so much to self-care mm-hmm. that kind of way that I'm like, I'm doing all, you know, I'm sure it, totally. It's, it's that same story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this, um, I think I led another games night called selfish 
And oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I like that one a lot. I enjoyed that one. That was part of my self-care journey. Yeah. I remember, I think you and I were partnered for part of that. And we were talking about... Yeah, about that relationship that I was in. Yeah. And the, and that, that, was, that was like the tipping point for me. Was like noticing, literally, mm-hmm. you know, noticing that I was in this position where I was making up stories about what other people wanted and then like burning myself out by giving it to them. Yeah. Know? And I remember feeling really honored to be able to hold space for you in that and like seeing you have that revelation mm-hmm. I, I and cry a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there were all the feels that night and I could just, mm-hmm. it felt really palpable of like, wow, she's dropping into something real for her. And that's why I do this. That's mm-hmm. why I'm here. And, um, yeah, just like you were saying with the stories that we create to protect ourselves and, and then there's a piece of it where I was talking with my boyfriend who's going on a a date. He went on a date last night and he was kind of overthinking it. And how do I do this? And how do I do that? And I was like, well, first of all, what you're doing right now is like the opposite of authentic. Like you just need to go and be you. If she doesn't like you for you, then, then move on. Um, and secondly, Which is so easy for Sky to say because Sky is so <laughs> fucking perfect. It, it is easy for me to say because I'm so held in my relationships. Yeah, that's true. That it doesn't feel like a huge risk. Um, so I do acknowledge that. Um, and there's a part of me that's like, if I'm not showing up as me, then they can't really connect with me. Mm-hmm. And um, Which is like the story of my life up until 22, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think we all take a while to kind of realize that. And and so I said, why don't you just play would you with this girl? Like, if you want to hold her hand. Oh, that's so cute. Would you hold my hand? Would you let me caress your arm? Would you let me kiss you? And um, he called me today to tell me how the date went. He was like, I pulled a sky, and I I asked if I could kiss her, and she said yes. I was like, cool. But before that, we were talking. I was kind of like doing triage on like his overthinking of this date, and he, he was saying a similar thing of like, I don't know how to express desire. I don't feel like I do it well. I don't feel like I'm expressive enough sometimes. And then sometimes I feel like it's just like, what if they don't want it? And I was like, maybe she wants to objectify you. Like, what would that be like? What if she just wants that D? And I mean, and, and, maybe and how would you receive that? And, and how would you receive that? Would you be upset? No, you'd be like, I have a D. I have a D. Let's do that. Um, and <laughs> or so, if you weren't in a position to receive it, then you would just say, I'm not in a position to receive that. Right, exactly. So I was like, and he, he goes, oh, it kind of sounds like you're saying I'm being sexist. I was like, yeah, you fucking are being a little bit sexist. Like you, you're putting that on her for the sake of like, oh, I need, she's delicate and I need to have consideration for her and all of this. And I was like, no, like I love when people tell me they're attracted to me and I, I accept it as the gift that it is. And um, when it is safe, when it is safe. Yeah. Right. And so there is a side of that, of, I recognize that I'm really privileged in that. I haven't had my boundaries crossed in that way. I haven't been abused or assaulted in a way that would have me more wary. And what I come back to about that again and again is I respond really well to attraction being expressed to me when it's expressed directly and, mm-hmm. and the intention is well known. It's when a guy, like I can tell a guy's attracted to me, but he's trying to do this like sly sort of what I feel is like sleazy, like, Hey baby, like trying to be smooth mm-hmm. that I'm like, mm, no, thank you. 
because um, that's not attractive. It's not attractive to me, mm-hmm. and it and it feels like they're trying to deceive me in some way. Whereas this one guy I'm dating, like one of the first things he said to me was like, "Wow, you have a great ass," and I was like, "Thanks." And then we went to lunch. And then just for our male listeners at home, that's not going to work on everyone. <laughs> it's not going to work on everyone. I should not say work for most I'm, people. I'm a rare bird. I'm a rare bird. If you have not put that together yet, these are not instructions. These are not instructions. This is ownership language. This is my experience. Um, and so we had a great, like, but I love you for it. Oh, thanks. That's really great for you. <laughs> but if someone tells me that I have a nice ass, I'm going to be like, okay, bye. <laughs> Brett, you have a nice ass. Thank you. Oh, oh shit. No, it was, the, <laughs> it was the intent. You got me. Yeah. I got you, you win this one, Sky. <laughs> That's right. So you went on a date. So anyway, so then we just, we went to lunch. We met at an event and we went to lunch. And then later in the, the conversation, he's like, yeah, I'm actually fantasizing about taking you home tonight. So again, like really directly just telling me like what his intentions were and how, how he was thinking of being with me. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Like, I'm open to that and I'm here in the context of connecting with someone else. So maybe if I'm back here again, we could explore that. And so I just kind of, I just kind of took it and said, thank you. And, um, which kind of brings it back full circle to the retreat because at the very end of the retreat, I was saying goodbye to someone outside and I overheard this girl who I hadn't really gotten to connect with much over the weekend. And she was talking with this guy and I heard her say, blah, blah, blah. I'm in an open relationship, blah, blah, blah. And they were talking about it. And I kind of like sittled my way over there and I was like, you said what? Hi. Um, so I'm a polyamory coach and I'm just really passionate about this topic and I'm here if you need to talk. And, um, so we started talking about it and then two other people from, uh, or one other person from the Houston community came over so we're all kind of standing around talking about non-monogamy and um, that really I don't think that polyamory is better than monogamy. I just think that any relationship should be entered into consciously mm-hmm. and have express um, expectations, desires, requests, agreements made so that everyone's on the same page and there's less of the confusion that I see everywhere. And um, so it's really passionately talking about that. And then the guy she had been talking to, uh, he turned to me and he said, yeah, in that beginning practice that we did where we were supposed to go and introduce ourselves and say, I'm showing up as. So that could either be, I'm showing up as blank right now or I'm showing up this weekend, sort of like present or intention. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I introduced myself to him, I, I shook his hand, I held it. I held it in my hands and I looked him in the eye and I, I told him I introduced myself and then when it was his turn he said I'm not really sure I don't know if I'm comfortable with you holding my hand but there was kind of this question mark behind it so I Mm. continued to hold his hand and then I said would you like me to not be holding your hands and he's like I don't know yeah I think so so I just very gently took my hands away from his hand but they were still sort of floating around his hand like there was this way I was like energetically holding it still and he introduced himself to me and then At the end of the retreat, he said, I realized that the reason I acted that way was because I am attracted to you and I, that, that physical connection with you was overwhelming me and making me nervous. I didn't know what to do with it. And he said that in front of two other people. And I looked at him, I said, wow, thank you for sharing that. 
and I feel more connected to you and more endeared to you. And I feel this warmth going on, like kind of dripping on my shoulders and I feel expansive and just really thank you for sharing that with me. And imagine if that happened in the real world, like at Kroger, <laughs> <laughs> like authentic retreats are so different. <laughs> they are different, but they don't have to be. That's true. Yeah. Mind. No, I wish imagining it is nice for me. Like yeah. to imagine that happening at Kroger makes me wet. Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that's how I try to show up. Like if I had that interaction in Kroger, I imagine it would go pretty similarly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I turned to the, the girl and the guy from our Houston community who had witnessed this. And I said, how was that to witness? And the girl, she goes, she kind of acts it out too. It was very cute. She goes, yeah, there was kind of this moment where I wanted to just slowly like back away and let you have the moment. I wasn't sure. But then I felt into what I imagined you wanted me to do. And I had this feeling that you wanted me to stay and witness it. And I was like, wow, cool. So you really empathized or imagined you were empathizing with my desires. And that turns out to be true. Like, yeah, I did want you here. I did want you to witness that. And she's like, yeah. And witnessing it, it was just so sweet the way you just accepted it. And it didn't have to be a big deal and it didn't have any friction. And I like that you expressed what happened in your body when he said it. And, um, and then the guy from our community kind of reflected similar things of like, yeah, there wasn't, um, there wasn't any awkwardness and there didn't have to be that fear. And then we had this beautiful moment where, um, the, the man who was telling me that he was attracted to me, he said, it was my goal coming into this weekend to tell at least two women that I was attracted to that I'm attracted to them. And I was like, and you were one of them. I was like, and did you meet that goal? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) Gave him a high five. And then we had like a group five. It was just amazing. And, um, the girl, she said, you know, this has been a really amazing weekend. And I feel like this has been the best way to wrap it up. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it has a bow on it now. And I said, I looked at her and I said, I empower you to tie your own bows. So that's real good. Yeah. It just go felt... find a bow to tie. <laughs> yeah. Like mm-hmm. go find a way to, to... to not let someone else's moment be that final moment for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was really um, nourishing for me to sort of bring that concept of attraction or affection or intimacy. It can be a gift. And while I understand that it can be really vulnerable to express it depending on the context. Um, well, I think there's also like a reflection of that. The shadow of that is that the reality of receiving it carries a lot of weight, mm -hmm, you know? And mm -hmm. I think, I think what really, what really is charged for me is that the feeling that there is an assumption on the end of the male that I cannot discern what the intent of the, the compliment is or the expression is, Mm. you know? when I can determine the intent and then that, and this, this is about what you were talking about with the sleaziness. There's the exact same feeling that I cannot determine why you are expressing your attraction to me. If you're just trying to get me into bed and you're expressing that like, Oh, you're so creative. 
Mm-hmm. Like I can hear what you're saying in how you're saying it, even through your fucking Facebook messages, dudes. Okay. Right. I know. Um, so that, that lack of, I guess, what would the word be? Not trust, but like that feeling that they think that I can't tell what they want from me uh-huh. makes, makes me feel a little less empowered about the, the expression of attraction. Yeah. You know? And yeah, there's like a, a, um, a desire for clarity in me. And that's why I was saying I so prefer, even if someone does just want to get in my pants, I'd prefer for them to just tell me that outright so that I don't have to muddle through trying to figure out like, okay, what angle are you going to come at me? Mm -hmm. And, um, and be on the defensive really. Right. Yeah. It's, it's much more of a, not that I'm trying to defend people away from getting into my pants (laughs) because some of you, I might want in my pants. Right. (laughs) And, but yeah, it is that like, give me the opportunity to discern what Mm -hmm. choices I want to make and create a sense of shared reality with me. Even if you're expressing to the best of your ability, yeah, it's hard to share a reality, but yeah. And, but trying to cultivate that and, um, and the, the sticky point in that is expressing it without expectation of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets difficult. And again, I feel like I can do that pretty easily because I have so many important friends and lovers who hold me in that space that I feel like I can go up to just about anyone and say, you know, wow, you have beautiful eyes or, you know, whatever it is Mm -hmm. and just, and not have attachment to how it's received, hoping that it's received well Mm -hmm. and sharing my intention in, in why I'm expressing that to them. But ultimately, um, not having attachment if, if I'm rebuffed in some way and mm-hmm. just sort of, it's almost like a, an experiment of, of showing up as me and then seeing how they respond, how they yeah. respond. And well, that so, piece, that piece that wants the reciprocation, that is the ego. Mm-hmm. And so that thing that you're talking about, the way that they're protecting themselves from the response by saying like, Oh, you know, I don't know, this might be, she might feel threatened by this, Mm -hmm. you know, all that Mm -hmm. is a way that they are protecting the ego, you know, because if it doesn't get reciprocated, then they will be hurt. Right. But if they have that thought of she might be threatened by this, I, I have faith in their ability to communicate in a safe way. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The people, the people that are not going to communicate in a safe way are not considering this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the people that are, I would, I mean, I would encourage to just find healthy ways to reach out and communicate, but there's also, I mean, the ego in me, the, the place that's really alive is this and it's my stuff. So don't not hit on me because of this, (laughs) but it's that obligation that has been indoctrinated. It's the dogma of this is what you do when a man speaks to you that way. Mm -hmm. And it's old, you know, it's Mm -hmm. an old feeling from an old inner Brit, you know, it is not the Brit that's showing up now, but that does get triggered when people talk to me in a certain way. And it can Mm -hmm. be triggered by the sweetest of dudes who comes up to me at the, at a party when I'm not in a place to receive it Mm -hmm. and says like, I like your ass, you know, uh-huh. without asking, can I comment on your appearance? You know, right. Yeah. Which is, you know, outrageous of me. But if that does happen to me, I'm not going to fucking throw a drink in your face. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm definitely not going to call you like a fat piece of shit. Like that's right. not where my reactivity is, mm-hmm. but that's not true for all women. Right. You know? And like I heard in there this, um, almost this desire for consent of like, hey, I have something to share with you. Are you open to hearing it? Or even just contexting like, hey, I have, I feel kind of vulnerable about this. Um, I, I'm noticing uh, 
some feeling coming up in me and my dynamic with you. And I'm wondering if you can hold space for that right now. Mm -hmm. Like some way of checking in to see if the person is receptive to even the, the, the volley, so to speak of um, like what they want to share. And sometimes that can't always be done gracefully. Yeah. I mean, most of the time it does not happen. Like I'm in two communities where that happens Mm -hmm. and it's those communities where like you ask before hugging, you know, which I do everywhere now Uh because it's a habit. And also another thing I do out of habit and because it's my stuff is I ask before I comment on people's appearance if I don't know them very well. Right. And like, Hey, can I comment on your appearance? And they get like fucking shocked. Like Uh they're like, and they check in for probably the first time in their lives. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And most uh-huh. of the time they say yes, but uh-huh. then that can, it just makes me so happy. Cause then I get to give them like a super well-received compliment, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they're prepared for it. And what struck me about that is, can I comment on your appearance? Is that, um, like my mind went to what if they're afraid that you're going to have a negative comment? Mm-hmm. So I imagine like that within the context, they, they, they understand, can kind of they can tell, but yeah, there's like a part of me that's like, Hmm, I th- and I'm sure like tone has everything to do with it. But like, how would I receive if someone said, can I comment on your appearance? I'd probably be like, fuck yeah. But <laughs> like, I was just like, with like a little tinge of like, is this going to be positive? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think, like I said, I think I would be able to discern that mm-hmm. in the situation, but just hearing it. Why like, are you asking? What do you have to say? Right. Yeah. Mm. Like just hearing it out outside of that context. I'm like, how am I processing that? Yeah. What is my association with that? So that's really interesting. But I like, I like what you're saying about the checking of assumptions as far as like getting, getting consent and being as clear, like even contexting a share before you share it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important and valuable. Yeah. Or like, do you, this happens a lot too. Like, do you want to talk about your relationships right now? Like, do you want to hear about my problems right now? Just like little stuff like that. Right. That can really change a conversation. Yeah. But when we talk about the, the attraction and, and the relationship piece of it, like if you just hit on a girl and you ask her first, like it's going to go fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't get the, whatever results you're looking for, it won't, there mm-hmm. won't be as much friction Yeah, because there'll be more like clarity as far as, okay, this is the interaction that I'm choosing to step into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so. this man, I can't believe this is the first time that got brought up for me, but in the clarity process, the other thing I do, they talk about the old hurts that men typically carry. Not all the time is the idea that women carry rejection because of the very common dynamic of the mother having the give, take, give, take. Mm-hmm. And so like they have the power to like turn their back. And Mm -hmm. so that's like an old feeling for men generally is Mm -hmm. that even though the rejection right now, like I'm just saying like, Hey, I'm not in a place to have a relationship that deep hurt that it has. And that fear that you have of it is not a fear of me. It's like an old, old hurt, but it's so common for men in the same way that we have that common obligation and that common men will hurt you hurt, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is something I take more care of now. I think everybody hurts. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) hurts. Yeah. (laughs) but that that idea that the women carry the power of rejection that's what Uh the sentence said like it really it really changed the way that I talked to men I think because before I kind of just I would either accommodate I would be like oh haha you know and kind of just dismissive Uh or whatever um or I would be straightforward without thinking about how it made them feel yeah you know just kind of like not right now whatever Mm -hmm. but now I like really check in and I kind of like take care 
a little bit more than maybe I should. Um, <laughs> but I'm like a little more gentle because of the idea that like I carry the power of rejection. Right. You know? So it almost seems like you're being more discerning and um, more considerate in how you um, approach that while balancing this, the feeling of self-care. Mm-hmm. Like those two things feel like they can work in conjunction. Yeah. Like it, I want to feel good about balance. the reaction. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to feel good about saying no and I want to feel good about them receiving it, mm-hmm. you know, totally. to make it like very safe. And then maybe later it will bone. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the funny thing. Like this idea of, um, I think we could really learn a lot from, looking at things from a more anthropological viewpoint and like watching the behavior of animals. Cause like you were saying with like, there's this sort of instinctual hurt or fear of being rejected in, in, in the man camp um, that, you know, and, and it's true that in the animal kingdom, women are usually the choosers and the men are like vying the go finders. Yeah. The go finders and the, the competitors for finding a mate. Um, and so there's this interesting way in which, uh, I just feel like we can learn a lot by looking at that, but also saying, and I have the power to override that with my, Mm -hmm. like I'm a human, I'm a human. Um, but just recognizing like I'm a human, but I am, I also am part animal and part instinct and intuition. And, um, and there's a way in which we can feed that story or we can, kind of distinguish ourselves from it, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and make choices around it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the telltale sign that you, it's a pattern is if you can't choose anything around it, mm-hmm. it's not you anymore. Right. It's the past. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. Now that we <laughs> <laughs> fucked up all your perceptions, <laughs> I'm talking to girls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think that was sweet. That was nice. And it yeah. was nice to articulate some of those ideas that had been percolating. I'm glad mm-hmm. that you, that you brought that up. That was super nice. So tell me about, if you would like the relationships that you're in now. Yeah. So I am married to, Oh, we skipped how you discovered polyamory. Oh yeah. Let's, let's, go, let's, let's go to that. Cause you discovered polyamory with your husband, right? Yes. So it's, we can just, <laughs> <laughs> just smush those things together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I will start with, um, with how I discovered it, how we discovered it. Um, so I've been with my husband for almost 10 years now. And we started dating when we were 18. So we were freshmen in college. Um, yeah, college sweethearts. And we grew up in the same town. We went to almost all of the same schools in that town. Um, and we were just kind of acquaintances in high school And I think I met him once and I was going to be a singer in their band. And I went for one band practice and we ate pizza and sang one song. And then he gave me a foot rub and my, (laughs) and the rest is history. history. No, what's funny is at the time I had a high school boyfriend also named John. So I always call my John, John 2.0 and (laughs) which means better for nerds. Yes. Um, and when I told my high school boyfriend that this, other John had given me a foot rub. I had not seen Pulp Fiction at this time, but he was like freaking out and he's like, a man doesn't give another man's woman a foot rub. And I'm like, why are you getting so upset about this? I don't understand. (laughs) So anyway, 
uh, fast forward years later, uh, we we decide to start dating over Christmas break of freshman year, and um, we have been together ever since. Wow. And yeah, and we've done a lot of learning and growing together. And we are both Leos. I'm actually six days older than him. So I always joke he's into older women, (laughs) which he kind of is, but still. Mm -hmm. Um, The sun and Mars are in Leo right now. Yeah. It's It's like a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Super fiery. So, um, so we're both Leos. We both are very like loving, big hearted, sensual beings and can attest. (laughs) And we, um, you know, we both realized that we have these voracious appetites when it comes not only to physicality, but also to connection. And I think we also realized early in our relationship, like this is it for the long haul. Like we both had that sense of security. I have never for a moment doubted his loyalty or had like friction with him really we've never had an argument in the entire time we've been together like we just are both really like type b chill laid back communicators we kind of debate things and that's not to say we've never gotten upset at each other but it's like always been dealt with in a really healthy way and so we had this really solid foundation and we decided to open our relationship around two years in was when we had the conversation it was around christmas time and it was, it sort of just, we were just cuddling. And then at one point, uh, he was always, I have been bisexual and I've kind of known that since I was about 14 or 15. Um, and various relationships were cool with that and some weren't, but he was always very supportive of me being with women. And so as we started getting closer, it became this sort of spectrum where it was like, he was supportive of me being with women. And then I was like, well, maybe we can have a, what I called a two and a half some where I was with him and a woman and he was with me, but not with the other woman. And then I realized like, that feels kind of icky and not fair. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> and, it, it, and so there was this, just this solid foundation that we had and the, the realization that we just, we both want to, um, experience, new things like we love variety and and just connecting with people in a real heartfelt way and so we talked about it and I was like I don't remember I actually think he brought it up because he had mentioned to me like friends that were polyamorous or open Mm -hmm. and I remember it's funny because I distinctly remember the first time he mentioned it to me I was like well that's weird (laughs) um you know and 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 look at you now but yeah and look at me now but I remember like, it's so hilarious to me to think, like, I had that sort of guttural reaction. But then when I thought about it later, I was like, well, why is it weird? Like, I guess just because it's different, but different isn't always bad. In fact, sometimes, like, most of the time, it's not bad at all. And um, so we just really developed this trust. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't think I would mind if you were with another man. And I was like, I don't think I would mind if you were with another woman. And we kind of just left it at that. And... I would say neither of us really enacted that openness for another year or so. And when we did, it was with friends that we trusted. And Mm. so it was kind of this safe realm to, to play and explore. And then, 
Um, and that went on for several years of just sort of, um, having connection and, and being with our friends and feeling that sense of like mutual respect and safety. And we talk to each other about everything. We do not hide our feelings. We usually talk about things in the bathtub together. Um, yeah, we have our like little bathtub moments of like, I'm going to spill my heart out to you right now. Oh, that's so funny. I've done that with other people yeah. that you and I know that mm-hmm. we should talk about later. Baths are like a thing. They're a thing. They, they just soak you in the feels. Yeah. Express them. Um, so yeah. And we, because we tell each other everything, that is really what adds to my sense of security with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't have to question anything. I know who he's attracted to and why and what he's attracted to about them and why he, um, has all of these different preferences and, um, it just feels really liberating to know that if there's something big going on for him, he's going to tell me and mm-hmm. absolutely no doubt about that. And so a few years ago, it was like right after I graduated college was the first person that I met outside of our friend group and started dating. Um, and we dated on and off for about a year and, um, he, the guy I started dating was in Austin with me and John was finishing up school in San Marcos. And then, um, and then after he finished school, he moved back to Houston and I was still in Austin. So there was a little bit of like friction, I suppose, or just there, there were, um, insecurities that arose from that, like the long Mm. distance Mm -hmm. and, it being a new person. Um, plus this guy did not make the best first impression on John. (laughs) He was a little inappropriate. That'll do it. And yeah. And, um, I will say that a common theme that I've experienced in my own polyamorous relationship and that I've seen in a lot of others is that there's, again, there seems to be this like anthropological instinctual, um, trepidation around a man um, feeling secure trepidation and like a man feeling secure enough to allow their partner um, to be with another man mm-hmm. like there's this like deep guttural that's how, how he explained it to me like this deep guttural like weird feeling yeah I've had that described to me too Mm -hmm. it's like in the pit of the stomach and it's like nauseating a little Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so but he would always tell me that but what I really appreciate is that he never pulled a veto card and he never limited me he was just like hey this is what I'm feeling I'm just gonna process it and do what I need to do and I want you to experience what you want to experience and so I I tried to hold him in that, but also have my autonomy and mm-hmm. still do what I needed to wanted to do, um, while considering his feelings. So it was this constant dialogue. And now looking back at that, like now he's totally comfortable as long as I tell him. And even sometimes at this point, it's like, it'll, something will occur, something will be happening. And then uh, the next day I'll tell him, mm-hmm. Oh, this happened with this person. And, um, so it's amazing to me. The transformation, the, the transformation. journey. Yeah. Um, and it's a journey that I think a lot of men go through in this lifestyle. Um, yeah. I've seen very few dudes just like click. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of them do, but it takes, you know. And that's how it was for me. Like, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because it was, it's funny. Like, as soon as we had that discussion of um, opening up, it was like a, a switch was flipped for me. And I was just like, all right, cool. Go have fun. Um, you know, go sow your wild oats or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, like, I've really, I've probably, but again, rare bird. I've probably experienced jealousy like two or three times in my entire life. And it's always been like a twinge or a flash of it. And then I was like, nah, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just part of my temperament. I don't think that's something that can really be learned, learned, but yeah. just like, that's what people ask me. Like, how do you not be jealous? Uh huh. And I'm like, it just literally, there's nothing I can do about it. I just don't experience jealousy the same way that people do. Right. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of it just has to do with brain chemistry and how we're wired and how we experience compersion and all of that. Um, so fast forward, I had two or three other male partners and, um, a few other female partners in the last few years. Um, and it, it kind of was this pattern where it usually started in the summer and we would date for a few months. But my issue was usually that I would date men who previously were monogamous and I was their first taste of non-monogamy and essentially they just couldn't handle it. Mm. Even the ones that I felt like, wow, you're a really good communicator and I feel like we can process this. You don't have to tell me. Right? And so (laughs) that was a pattern and it was a really frustrating pattern for me because I'm like, you know, I just want to be your miss right now. I don't have to be Mrs. Right for you and I will gracefully bow out when you meet that person. But it never even got to that point. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to date you until you find the person that you really want to settle down with and have the babies and all of that. I can't be that person for you, but I'll sure as hell have fun with you until that occurs. And But they would usually wig out way before mm-hmm. that looked like it was going to happen. Stuff going on um, inside of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and that usually culminated in them ghosting me which was really not fun. I've experienced that at least with two or three relationships. And so that's, that is something that I'm super sensitive about is, um, and it's more with men because it's been men who have done it to me. Um, but yeah, anytime where I, I feel super vulnerable when I reach out to someone and they don't acknowledge me for a really long time mm. it's that it, you know, it brings up that, that pattern and that old fear. Yeah. And so I have to remind myself, like, that's just your old fear talking and, um, and it's their stuff that keeps them from responding and not you. Yeah. It's their stuff there, you know, and, and then I go into the excuses of, Oh, they're probably busy and they're doing this and they're doing that. And so they have so many clothes to wash. (laughs) Right. Um, but so last summer it was almost exactly a year ago. Um, so we'd been, you know, open up until this point and having what I would consider deeper and deeper connections. And last summer I met a man through the authentic community. Uh, the very first night I went, actually we did a, um, eye contact noticing game. And as soon as I made eye contact with, it's this so man, easy to fall in love when you're playing that game. Though, guys. <laughs> you have no idea. It for real is. Yeah. Um, cause I'm just staring into this man's eyes and he has these beautiful blue eyes. And like I told him and, and other people later that he was basically like if high school me could create the perfect man, like that's how he looked, mm. uh, like broad shoulders, but kind of live and blue eyes and high cheekbones and a little bit of scruff and like 
dark curly hair, like my type to a T. And um, the night I met him, I had just had this amazing day where I went to acro yoga. And then I actually finally did hear back from a past lover that I had messaged like months ago. And then he sent me this long like apology note. And so I just felt like really empowered. I was feeling my oats. And so at the end of the, the games night, I, I went to this man and I was just like, yeah, so um, I think you're really cute and I'm in an open marriage and I'm like, I kind of want to go out with you, but you know, I live in South Houston and you live in North Houston, so it'll probably just be really casual, but I think you're cute. And uh, his first question was, is it a healthy open relationship? Ooh, when will I learn to ask that of partners <laughs> that are trying to like right. get at me? And so I was like, damn, this guy's woke. Like he, he that was a great question. Because I'd never had that asked. That is so good. I'm going to write that down. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> right? And so, and then I was just like, so can I kiss you? Again, that's just what mm-hmm. I do. And um, because my personal rule is I don't go on a, on a date with someone unless I know that we have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I find that out by kissing them. So that's kind of oh, like that's cute. The, the pretest mm-hmm. of like, because I don't want to so sit through. So you kiss through. before the date. I kiss before the date. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit through a date. And like, be like, well, you know, we, we, our banter is great, but I don't know about our physicality and like, Mm -hmm. and then like at what point in the date do we kiss and at the end and then like, I don't care about any of that bullshit. I'm like, once I feel about blowjobs, like if I don't give a guy a (laughs) blowjob, I don't know where we're going to be, you know, I'm just kidding guys. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. (laughs) Like I'm hard to throw off and I was like, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Your face. It was great. I wish you guys could have seen that. I, wish you could I don't know how our physicality too. is. Like, just yeah. put your dick in my mouth, I guess. Like, <laughs> then we'll go to Olive Garden. Oh, yes. It's like the Olive Garden breadstick. You just got to <laughs> put it in there. Um, anyway, so we kissed and it was like cute and awkward and, and pretty good. And, and then uh, within like two weeks, I just fell madly in love with this man. And... Um, there was a whole like saga of ex girlfriend who like lives somewhere else, but then they get back together like this whole thing. And, um, but I would say I fell in love with him within like a week or two weeks. And he actually told me he loved me within like six days of knowing me. And so it was just like this really intense, like fire feelings. And, um, and so I just felt like really vulnerable and, and, the intensity of my feelings for him was really what solidified for me. Okay. I am definitely capable of being in love with more than one person. Mm, So that was the first like actual like love that you felt for another partner in that same way. In that same way. Yeah. Like before that it was always because it was with friends who I already loved Mm -hmm. or, um, just, opening myself up to, to vulnerability with people. Like I, I always thought of it as I'm in love with John and then everyone else I love on a spectrum mm-hmm. and it's, it's just going to show up how it's going to show up. But I, I made that clear distinction to myself, um, kind of like a universal versus a personal love. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this was the first person who was like, okay, wow. Yeah. I can experience that simultaneously for multiple people. And that was sort of a revelation for me. And a really expansive and enriching and like kind of terrifying revelation for me. And um, so anything, anyway, um, 
that relationship absolutely crashed and burned. Like it was ridiculous. And they like, always do. I was, I was, I mean, they don't always do, but, but that one was like, whoo. Yeah. But I did so much. I gained so much growth from that relationship too, that even though it didn't end well, like I even feel good about the way it ended and I feel really empowered in, um, the self-care that I showed for myself at the end mm-hmm. um, because they had gotten anyway no I'm not gonna go there uh, but yeah I felt <laughs> yeah let's get into that <laughs> no it's not but um, I do episodes about breakups okay have well, you listened to those where it's just we talk about one breakup that's oh, like Jesus. really complicated and we like unpack it those are my favorite we'll okay. do that another time let's do that because it was so intense um but yeah, so I just, I felt really good about everything that I learned from that about myself. Like I'm capable of being in love with more, more than one person. I'm capable of holding space for a lot of complexity. And I just feel like I grew so much from that relationship. It was really transformative for me. And I had to break down in tears so many times. Actually during my authentic relating facilitator training which was almost exactly a year ago on the last day I showed up and I was just like wrapped in a blanket and weeping and I just had to tell everyone hey guys just treat me exactly the same because if you acknowledge it I'm just gonna cry more so like but I'm here and I want to learn and I want to do this um and so I was proud of myself for that and um so since then what I also learned is like wow, first of all, I need to not go for these, like, I need to break this pattern of falling for these monogamous or, like, pseudo-monogamous men. Yeah. Why? Why am I doing this? It's just a project. And then um, that I need to choose healthier relationships for myself. Like, my motto is just happy and healthy. Is this relationship happy and healthy? I actually don't believe in the concept of successful relationships because to me, success feels like I've reached a goal. I've reached an endpoint. Relationships are too dynamic for that. They're too fluid and they, they require constant, um, cultivation and communication and, and there's just a dynamism to them that means they aren't necessarily successful, but they can be happy and healthy or unhappy and unhealthy. And there's, you know, a, a spectrum between those two. And so I told myself, I'm only going to have happy and healthy relationships from now on. If it's too taxing, if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm crying while I'm working, this is not what I need in my life. And so that just felt like a really empowering direction for me to go in. And since then, I've entered into much more supportive and conscious relationships and I just feel so, you know, blessed by the universe to have the people in my life that I do. I feel so liberated and held at the same time. And um, in my wedding vows, although they weren't really vows, I don't think I made a single promise to John, (laughs) but in my wedding love letter to him, I said that he and I are like, a bonsai tree where our roots feel very connected 
but our bodies sort of like twist around each other and support each other and embrace each other. But then we have a way to expand and grow and flourish, um, in, in, in our, our autonomy and like being able to grow up and with each other in a way that feels supported, but not overly interdependent, Mm -hmm. um, or codependent, I should say. So yeah. How beautiful. So what does your polycule look like now? Oh, my polycule. So, so I have my husband and then we are dating a woman named Kate that we've been seeing for a little over a year now. And she's fantastic. We're actually living with her, which is new for me. Um, completely new and unexpected. That was recent. Yeah. Like super recent. Super recent new experience. Um, we moved in like mid March, I think, um, mid to late March. And, um, yeah, it was sort of this, um, we were kind of struggling with money and trying to figure out where to live. And I essentially, we got kicked out of our townhome, And, um, so we needed to find a place. So there was sort of this, um, thing of like, okay, we need help. Um, we need to find like a practical place to live. And there was this desire on Kate's part and on our part to take our relationship a little bit deeper. And um, she really liked the area that we're in. And so it just, it all kind of came together in this really symbiotic way. And I had my reservations about it because I'd never thought before of living with another partner than, than John. Like I thought our next move was... I, we're not going to have any roommates. It's just going to be he and I, cause it's never been that in the 10 years we've been together. We've never had a place just for our own. Mm-hmm. And so I was really attached to that. And then as soon as I let go of that attachment, I'm like, Oh, this is really lovely. And, um, so we have her and she's our shared lover. And then, and she's great. And she is great. Kate is great. I love her so much. <laughs> she is so sweet. And I can't wait to have her on. That'll be I, fun too. Yes. Yes, I'm so excited about that. Um, and then I have two other girlfriends, and one is Maggie in Austin. And uh, it's funny because a couple of my relationships, I have like a little bit of hesitancy to be like, this is my girlfriend, mm. or this is my boyfriend, because there's like that labeling and that claiming. And um, we, we've sort of had a sideways conversation about like, I think my other girlfriend, who I'll talk about in a minute, asked her when they were in the car together, like, so are you Sky's girlfriend? <laughs> and Maggie was like, I mean, I guess if she asked me, I would say yes. <laughs> so it was like, and then, of course, Kylie told me that. And so then I was just like, okay, this is adorable. So we, Maggie and I kind of had a conversation around that. And what I really appreciate about our relationship is that John and I have both known her since high school. So we've mm. known her for, oh, he's known her for over 10 years. And I've known her for about that amount of time. Cause I didn't really hang out with her until college. And she is just one of my favorite human beings. She is, she actually reminds me a lot of John, which is why I really care about her. Like I just have this, I can share a super comfortable silence with her, which is one of my favorite ways of being in relationship with someone like that just sense of ease and um 
yeah, like there's just this amazing way that she uh, doesn't have too much attachment. And mm. like neither of us, we've kind of both expressed like we don't get to see each other terribly often, maybe every other month or so. But there's not this like like yearning so much as just gratitude when I do get to see her and we get to see each other. Wow, that's like really rare and beautiful. Yeah, so it's like I just feel really held by her and um, it's like that Hold On Loosely song, you know? And um, and she's she's hilarious. She cracks me up. So that's one of my... Anyone with a sense of humor, I'm like, hey. And um, yeah, she's so funny to me. And she has these beautiful blue eyes and like this way of like raising her eyebrows that just like gets me, like melts me. And um, I think I'm falling in love with her. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. She's fantastic. Um, and then there's Kylie. And uh, Kylie. Squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> Kylie is also. Um, been in the authentic community and she right now is uh, she's a few years younger than me and right now she's on the road in a like charter bus with uh her boyfriend and their friends and they just went to like rainbow gathering and they're basically just like driving around being awesome artist hippie vagabonds Mm -hmm. and i fucking love that like i am so supportive of her just going out and experiencing life and being her and she's just this tiny little thing that's so vibrant and loves rainbows and is an incredibly <laughs> talented artist and she's just so passionate about life um and she's really also dove into the authentic community she's taken leadership training which really proud of her for doing because she kind of just like dove in last minute and spent the money and was like i'm doing this for myself and um there's just so much like fondness for her and sweetness and tenderness. And um, like, there's this really interesting dynamic. There's this way in which like, sometimes I feel almost a little like maternal towards her um, just cause she is a few years younger and she's like going through this amazing growth process right now. And I love that I get to be there for that and like hold space for that. And I also try to balance that with like not giving too much advice and just saying um okay well yeah that you know you do you but also you know if i were in your situation i might do this um and she also receives she receives that stuff really well she does like she's actually like that's that's my problem is she's actually so open to receiving advice and sometimes asks me for it and i'm Mm. like i feel really wary of um having that much influence over someone's life mm. that I'm like that's what it's like to date a 22 mm, year old yeah <laughs> everyone that's ever dated me can say that <laughs> so yeah so there's like this hesitancy of like well I don't want to tell you how to live your life but if you're asking I guess I'll say what I might do in your situation um but she's just yeah she's just vibrant and amazing and I love her and um so those are my girls Mm-hmm. And then I have a boyfriend, Zach, who's also in the Houston community. He's a, he's a leader in the Houston community and the authentic Houston community, I should say. And um, all of Houston, really the whole thing. All of Houston, he owns it. <laughs> um, no, but uh, he is so, he's just such a caricature. Like he is so enigmatic. He is so like freaking 
exuberant and silly and loud and sometimes angsty in an adorable way and um like weird like he's really thin and that's not my usual type i actually usually go for like the more manly men he's just like shaggy yeah he he looks like shaggy from Mm scooby-doo um and so it's just funny to me that i'm like yeah i do find you sexy you're not my usual type but i like it and um (laughs) And like, and he's, he, he has his particular skills, um, that I'm a fan of. Blush. <laughs> and like, I, I've told him, I'm like, yeah, that's like 70% of why I keep you around. And I'm only kind of kidding. <laughs> so, but no, he, the other, other than that, he actually just is one of my best friends. And that's, what's really nice about my dynamic with him is, um, even when we aren't in a romantic space with each other, it still feels really nurturing and like we're mm. really being there for each other. And there's not like an attachment on the romance aspect of it, but there is, um, that's definitely present. And depending on kind of our intentions in spending time with each other, it'll either be like really friendly or more romantic. And so that's really nice because it just feels like, like with my dam- dynamic with him and with Maggie, it feels like, it would take crazy life circumstances to have it in badly or have it maybe even end at all, depending on what choices they make as far as partnership. And so that feels nice. Cause I just feel like, Hey, regardless of what happens with us romantically, like we're probably going to be friends when we're in the old folks home. Like, mm-hmm. and we talk about that often. That's so sweet. And he's like, you're going to be a badass old lady. <laughs> like, you really are. You're adorable. All oh, things. <laughs> um, And so, uh, and Kylie is also dating Zach. So we have our own little triad, which is really nice because she and I, our energies like really, uh, balance each other. Well, like she's really like, like young and, and like absorbing everything and like kind of everywhere. And I'm like really stable and secure and good at reflecting, um, whenever he has like a philosophical thing going on. So it's really interesting, the dynamic between the three of us. So that's kind of like a little like triad within the polycule. Mm-hmm. And then, um, lastly is this guy I'm dating in Boulder that I met at an event at the integral center and his name is Aaron and he is super great. Um, excellent communicator. I mean, he's, the integral center is kind of one of the hubs of authentic relating. And so he is just on it with communication. And it's like we met. And then a month later we had been voxing each other. Um, that's our primary method of communication. I don't even think I know what Vox is. Voxer is an like, it's almost like a walkie talkie app. I love this app. You guys, I'm glad I get to plug it. Um, it's <laughs> so it's an, it, and it's kind of an older app. I've, I've mentioned it to people and they're like, Oh yeah, I used to have that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, aren't you cool? Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's like, it's like instant voicemail. Like it's a walkie talkie oh, app okay. where you can record and then send and it cuts you off at 15 minutes, which I've found out multiple times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you can tell, I'm a talker and, um, and so you just kind of press the button, say your piece and send it and then they can play it and I have the pro version. So I it it archives everything and I can play it 
uh, play what they said back or play what I said back, which I find really valuable as a communication tool because then I can realize how am I coming off to this person or how, mm, like when convey I'm, tone. Yeah, when I'm conveying my tone or how many times am I saying um or uh or um, like, wow, I was being really silly there. I wonder what was going on. And, um, so it's, it's almost, I almost treat it like my journal, like mm. a very like friend interactive journal. And, um, I'm about to download this. This is how we're going to talk forever. Do. Good. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah. So I really love that app and that's how we've mostly connected. And, um, which is really fun because to me, I find that I have less attachment to the response time than I do with like text or mm. messenger, those other mediums. And I don't know why it's like, it's just this sense of like, it feels like I'm sending a message in a bottle and like, it'll get to them and then they'll send it back when they're ready. Yeah. Um, and so he and I connected and it was just like, we, he and I are very similar. Uh, we're both type sevens on the Enneagram uh, personality archetypes and we show up in very similar ways in how we communicate and, and our senses of style and, um, the, our just thought patterns. And, um, so he flew me out a month after I met him for his birthday. We had a really amazing weekend together. We, um, went to like a ceremony and it's like a party thing for his birthday and we went out to dinner and we went to the river and he balanced rocks because that's something he does because he's cool like that and um and yeah and but as soon as I got there what I really appreciated about him was and it's funny because I was planning on doing this too but he brought it up before me he was like yeah so I'd really like to set intentions with you I'd really like to um like really express what our intentions and in being together and our desires, and our expectations and, and any requests that we might have of each other in this time that we're going to spend together. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to do that. He's like, I figured you did. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, our relationship has been really fun. And I've, I've told him this a couple of times. I'm like, dating you is kind of like dating myself. So it's pretty badass. Uh. <laughs> like, Oh, so it's just really fun to, to be with someone who's like also super adventurous and communicates in such a similar style. And, um, we've had a little bit of friction here and there just from like, there's because of how direct and exuberant I can be, I think people don't often see my vulnerability. And so there was almost this invitation from him for me to be more vulnerable. And then at one point when I was, he kind of like retracted. Mm. And that's actually something I intend to talk to him about is like, Hey, don't invite someone to be vulnerable. And then when they are like recoil from it, like that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we've sorted that out since then. And, uh, I actually just had a really great like hour and a half conversation with him last night. I don't think we talk on the phone for anything less than an hour. Like we always have these crazy long talks and it's just really nice, but I've been really wanting a Skype boyfriend. Yeah. I had one when I was younger in Australia <laughs> and it just like really like it was so fulfilling for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. I know I was like, you know, like younger, so it was different. I was yeah. a different person then, but I just feel like I could use that in my life. Like that's what I have space for right now is a Skype boyfriend. Totally. What about yeah. a Skype girlfriend? Or a Skype girlfriend. Yeah. I could do that too. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it is the first long distance relationship that I've been in. Mm -hmm. So that's been an interesting learning opportunity for me because I tend to really 
immerse myself in my relationships and get like pretty deep pretty quickly. And so that happened for us. Like we both like really liked each other and got close really quickly. But then just because of the distance, it's like there are these issues of, um, I think like interest kind of waxing and waning and like not having time. And I mean, there's a very, there's an hour time difference, which isn't a big deal, but sometimes it can be. And, um, and then he has, he's also, he's new to poly. So like, there's that like mm, sort of holding that little space. insecurity thing. Yeah. Just holding space for like his exploration of it. And like, he has a couple of partners there. And so I don't know how you have been... time <laughs> for all of these. I mean, I do know how you have time cause I know you, but I'm just like, I'm like, and you're listing all these people and the depth of which you're with them. And I'm like, gosh, like that's, do you work out in the morning? Like <laughs> I would be exhausted. I wish. Um, yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people ask me like, how do you have the bandwidth for all of this? I'm like, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, well, I find that a lot from the outside looking in, it looks like a lot of your relationships source and energize you. Mm-hmm. They do. And, and again, like that's, I made that really conscious choice of like, I'm no longer going to be in depleting relationships. I only want relationships that are sourcing and can kind of either, for the most part, sustain themselves or sustain each other. Like with Zach and Kylie, I don't have to worry as much about constantly being there for Zach or Kylie because they can be there for each other. So it's like, I kind of have like a support team within my group of lovers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then with John and Kate as well, like they, they can spend really quality time with each other when I'm off going to Boulder and traveling as much as I do. Recording podcasts. Reporting podcasts with the beautiful Brit. And, um, so yeah, it's just, it's nice to sort of have it be to where they can support each other and have their other relationships that have them feel like sourced and acknowledged and appreciated. And then I can kind of do my own thing. And then, but then when I'm within any given dynamic, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that has my polyamory be really successful is I am so focused on the present and what is happening right in front of me with this person that, you know, if I'm with that person, I'm with them. Mm-hmm. Not a hundred percent, but like 90%, like so much, mm-hmm. but I'm not here with you and thinking like, oh, I wonder what John's doing right now or whatever. Yeah. And like, what does, is our future going to be like? Yeah. Or like, do they want, you know, all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And something I've come to, realize and actually really appreciate about polyamory is like the it almost makes savoring the moment a necessity like mm-hmm. I try to squeeze out as much juiciness and savor as much as I can in each interaction because I know how changeable the dynamics can be I know that you know they could meet someone who wants to be monogamous or you know any number of other things they could move you know anything like that so uh, when I do get to spend time with them, it has me even more appreciate like, okay, I am here. I'm with them. I'm experiencing it and feeling it and loving it. That is something I totally stole from you <laughs> because I heard you say, I don't even think it was a conversation I was having with you. Mm-hmm. I just like overheard you at a restaurant. Yeah. Talking to someone about that. And then from then on, I like practiced super presence. Like I would play Mm -hmm. noticing in my head when I was with someone, like I would be super, super present and stealing that from you was like the best thing I ever did for relationships because it really changed everything. Like it made 
I don't think it like nothing was like ruined, but you know, like it really mm. pulled me out of some relationships I wasn't supposed to be in. And it really put me in some places, I think primarily in friendships where I was like really like super sourced mm-hmm. and like I felt I didn't feel those patterns or that insecurity or any of that stuff mm-hmm. just from that presentness. I had no idea that was the fucking key, <laughs> you know, for some people, maybe not for everybody, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, definitely like that sense of presence and, there's this distinction I've been noticing and making lately of, um, between investing in the future and living for the future. Mm. And I feel like, you know, it can be a fine line. And I find that sometimes, uh, myself included, people can fall on the wrong side of that line and, and be living so much for the future that they aren't really experiencing the present or they're so caught up in the past, which is just, I've heard it described as like the past is just a projection of like an old movie that you're playing over and over again. Mm. And each time you play it, it's like the film gets a little bit less clear. And so there's this way in which when we're holding on to the past or constantly thinking about it, it's, it it gets more and more tarnished and it, and it kind of like builds this grime of like something that you're holding on to. And then in my world, the future is an illusion. I think the future only exists so long as our consciousness exists. So why am I going to be obsessing about something that if, heaven forbid, if I'm in a car crash or whatever could happen, Mm -hmm. then the future isn't there for me. Mm-hmm. And so I just really That's try why to I don't be in pay the present. Any of my credit card bills. That's right. <laughs> That's an excellent example. So, <laughs> so okay. that is an investment in the future. Yeah. So, is the credit card bill? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Pay, paying it off is an investment yeah. in the future. Well, I owe a lot of dudes a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. Um, so we do have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll do. Um, Sky is a polyamory coach and I want to talk about that. So we're going to have to make up a whole new episode for it because we've been here for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And you learned a lot, I'm sure. And I'm sure that you know that, you know, she has some skills and some wisdom for you. So we're going to plug your information in the description of this episode. Okay. And we'll record another one where we just talk about coaching because that also could take an hour. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks to the Houston Polyamorous Organization for sponsoring us, the Mockingbird Network for hosting us, and Jay Walker Coaching for providing services for us. Um, And I will see you again, not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that. And I love you. Mocking Bird Network.